0: For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia.
1: Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. And as always, I'm so thankful that you are joining me today. And I'm very excited for the show. We are going to do a show on families. And... You will be so excited to know that we have one of the most amazing novelists, internationally known, Karen Kingsbury. And she has got these great books on family and just legacy. And the way that she presents it is always so inspiring and and very, very motivating. And so she has released a new book, and it is called The Love Story. If you don't know anything about Karen, which I would be surprised... She is really America's favorite and inspirational storyteller, and she has more than 25 million copies of her award-winning books, all in print. She has dozens of titles that have topped the bestseller list. And right now, this book is under development, as well as some of her other, as TV movies and some major motion pictures. So you may have seen some of them. And and this new one is going to be the subject of a new TV series called The Baxter Family, and it's debuting this year with Roma Downey and Mark Burnett at MGM Studios. So she's also, this is not surprising, an adjunct professor of writing at Liberty University, and she lives in Tennessee with her husband, Don they are five sons, three of whom are adopted from Haiti, which is near and dear to my heart because all of you listeners know I'm adopted. And so that's always exciting for me. So she has a daughter, Kelsey, who is an actress, lives nearby, and is married to a Christian recording star, Kyle Koupecki. And the couple is now welcoming their first child. So Karen, you now have a grandson.
2: I do. And it's the most amazing thing. I mean, that little guy just passed my heart for sure.
1: That is really fascinating. So, you know, we only have a half hour with you, and we're so glad that that you were able to do that. So kind of give us an idea of this book, because you said when we were off air that this is really one of your favorites, that it's the best.
2: You know, I feel like authors only get one chance to write a book called Love Story. And so for me, I knew it had to be my best book, and I feel like it is. This is just, I'm in love with Love Story. Um, What happened was over the last 10 years as I was writing about the Baxter family, um, people would say to me, why don't you write a prequel? Why don't you tell us about the beginning, John and Elizabeth's love story so we can walk with them and see what they went through, the broken, beautiful story that they lived out, and we can be a part of it. And every time they would call it love story, they would say, tell us about their love story. So obviously there was no other title for it when I finally said, all right, I'm going to write it. And, um, I mean, just years of readers wanting this book. And the nice thing is, because it's a prequel, we will be able to use this. I mean, people who've never read about the Baxters can start here.
1: That's, that's amazing. You know, I love, like, series. It's so fun when you get engrossed in a story and then you get to hear, you know, you get all these different series afterwards. So prequels are amazing. And, and I think that would be, is that difficult to write when you do the prequel if you've already done a whole series?
2: Well, you know, it's, it was it was really easy for me because I kind of always had their their story in my heart. But to be able to walk it out, like I mean, my husband would kind of pass by while I was working on this novel, and I would have tears streaming down my face. It is such a tearjerker, but it also is a book that gives you great hope. It kind of reminds me of the Notebook in that way. Yeah, and people have said it's this generation's Notebook in the way that. It shows this love that, in this case, it was, you know, they were college students in the 1970s, and what they lived through and how they survived it, um, the faith that grew out of that situation, actually became the foundation for a love that continues on with their adult kids and their grandkids today.
1: I'm so, you know, thankful and inspired that you really let God do this through you, because it is a painstaking process, writing books, and, and well, it is. It's so true. Well, and we really need, you know, to counteract some of what the world is doing, which gives bad endings. That you know, you're giving oh. such hope to people through heartache. I mean, this is not like you know, sugar-coated families.
2: It's it's really true. And when I started writing, I thought, you know, if you go into a church and you say to people, "Okay, stand up if you've ever been associated with addiction." If you've ever experienced a loss, if you've ever, you know, you know, somebody who's in prison, these heartbreaking things are all real and literally you would have everybody standing. So I didn't want to write about people who were perfect. That would not be interesting at all and it wouldn't be real. Um, But people who have a flawed story, but have hope. And the way I look at it, you know, a story, a novel has a physical, an intellectual and an emotional element. But it also has a spiritual element, and I just am not afraid to write about it. You know, I'm willing to write about people who are angry at God, or running toward Him, or running away from Him, uh, or indifferent to Him. And, And by doing so, I think we get a deeper story, a more complete story, with a message that comes in through the back door of the heart.
1: I think the authenticity is what is so powerful and so moving, because... People can relate to it, even if they're not Christians, they can relate to it. But at the same time, they can really be inspired. It's like you're giving people some heroes that are real-life heroes that actually are good. And and it's not about you know, this, this lifestyle that is just tearing you apart for no good reason. And, you know, whether or not you make it or not, you're actually giving people some kind of a template to say, you know, I can be real and authentic and God handles that. God loves his people and God is not abandoning his people and God it's walks so you
2: true. through it, which is what it yeah. happens in these stories. It's so true. And it's, and just to your point, the favorite probably character, you know, in the story besides... John and Elizabeth and because we know that they have a broken story uh is Ashley and Ashley Baxter is the daughter that everyone would have considered sort of the black sheep of the family the one who had made the worst decisions and yet she has the greatest story of redemption and people love her the most I think they, they it's authentic
1: exactly so tell me you know you said earlier that your husband would walk by your office and he you'd just be in tears tears streaming down your face so tell me some of what was so moving, just for you, as you were writing this.
2: Well, you know, there's several love stories that are playing out in this book. It's John and Elizabeth, but there's also a contemporary storyline with um, a, a, a character named Cody Coleman, who is a longtime character that readers love. But again, if you're just meeting him for the first time, you would understand that he's had two broken engagements with the girl he loves. He hasn't been able to figure it out. He's a, a vet. He has PTSD. And it just gets in the way of him being able to love. So there's just very deep emotion. Um, These two were meant to be together, but they're so apart as this book starts. And then there's a minor character named Wilson Gage. And Wilson is a Vietnam vet. And he also has just a broken story. But there was a time when it was his wisdom that set John Baxter on a lifelong course toward fate. He was the one that prayed over John and said, you know, I know your story is a mess right now. But I'm going to pray that one day your marriage will be so beautiful that all the world will be touched by it. You know, that's what ends up happening. So it's really, and there's some full circle stories. Like we get to see a full circle with a lot of these characters where, you know, it isn't just the love story of, of a man and a woman, husband and wife. It's a love story of how God pursues us. And that, I think, is the overriding theme that, you know, you get through the whole book that will come into the back door of the heart.
1: I think it's amazing to present to people legacy and that legacy is not always, you know, it has to walk itself out. And sometimes it takes generations to do that.
2: It does. I totally agree. Um, And so, you know, that's something that we are, are just, you know, as a family and my family helps a lot with the books. They help with every aspect, whether Mm. it's finding books for an event or, um, you know, going on tour or or whatever it might be, even listening to me kind of, Play out a storyline. They help, and they also see that you know my stories have that redemption that all of our stories. Have.
1: Well, I think that they is want. because that that's the that's the God we serve. He is the God of redemption, and it's amazing that's, that's what that's he it. can. It's amazing what he can redeem. What he can redeem.
2: Right, and then there's nobody too broken that he can't redeem. And that's I think you know we get to see that there are definitely some some characters along the way as. This being, you know, this is the prequel, but as you get into Redemption, which is the first book um, after this prequel, really, I mean, you start to see all kinds of mess and there's just nothing beyond his reach. So
1: what, what would you like people to know in terms of just what you think God is doing through your books? What is the message other than, I mean, Redemption, obviously, but what, what do you feel like when you write these that God is really pouring out through you?
2: Well, I think this is the thing. You know, I, we, obviously I love books, and I love reading, and I love writing and all that, but I think, you know, if you look back, and we go, let go back to Jesus as the first storyteller. Like, if he wanted to tell you something straight, he would just tell you. If he wanted to make a point, he might turn over a table. But when he wanted to touch your heart, he would tell a story. Mm. And that is something that I get the privilege to do now, and I guess I would just say that, you know, Allow yourself the journey of a story, like love story, and then at the end of the day, when you close the cover and you're crying, because you will be. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Absolutely. God, and everybody will have a different answer as to what it was that um, you know inspired them and what in what way it touched them. Some some people will uh, you know feel like they've got to pick up the phone and make amends in a broken relationship. Some people will say, you know what, I want to have a better relationship with the Lord. This is, you know, who's telling me that. Um, and so, you know, it just depends on the person, but I think it's, it's take, that, take that challenge to just like, you know, read and see what in the world is going to change in your life because of a fiction, you know, a novel.
1: Yeah, I think that's so powerful. I'm a psychotherapist for a living. And so I'm constantly telling my patients this, God loves your story and everybody has a story and we are not to hate our story. And, and every story that we have is unique. And God, if we l- allow him, will weave himself into it and really write the story, you know, make it right. I mean, as he's writing it as well. But it's it's a very powerful thing when, when we get to hold a book and we get to just and we turn the page or a Kindle or if you listen on Audible. I'm sure some of your books are on Audible.
2: Oh, yes, Yes. Definitely. Yes.
1: I thought so. I thought I saw that. And so it's just you get immersed in this life of someone else that you get to kind of live through and learn from. So we're coming up almost on the break. We have about 40 seconds. So do you have any parting words before I break us for the commercials?
2: You know, I would say that as powerful as a novel is, what I wanted to remind people of is that, yeah, like you said, you have one chance to write the story of your life. You have one chance. Yes. And your book is going to be marked, your story will be marked with characters that sometimes are difficult to love, and even things about yourself that are difficult to accept. But it doesn't matter. If you can just understand that with, you know, with, the, with Jesus as the hero of your story, you're going to have a bestseller, and it's a guaranteed happy ending. At the end of the day, that. we know where this is going.
1: I love that. Well, this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment. We have one more segment with Karen Kingsbury, and it's very exciting. Make sure you visit the website at cynthiahyatt.com and all of the different social media that we have for you. I hear the whispers in my Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. So glad you're joining me, and if you're just tuning in right now, we have a very special guest with us, Karen Kingsbury, and she has a new book out, which is called Love Story, and if you're unfamiliar with her, she really is one of America's favorite top novelists, internationally known, and many of her books are turned into TV movies, and she has this new book, Love Story, which is in development with a, uh, to become a major motion picture, and it will have Roma Downey and Mark Burnett, and it's with MGM Studios. So we are anxiously waiting for that movie. That will be very exciting. So, Karen, thank you again for being on the show today.
2: Oh, thank you for having me. This is so much fun.
1: Well, you know, we were talking off air about, I just said, you know, we only have nine minutes left with you. So where you would like to start, and you talked about two things that I think would be really, really inspiring, and that is certainly... Your love for bookstores, because I love bookstores, and I'm so sad to see them getting less and less. And and also some of your family, how how they inspire you.
2: Yeah, you know, and, and I'm just starting with the idea of bookstores. I even wrote a book called The Bridge, which was the subject of a Hallmark movie last year, a Christmas movie. And The Bridge is about a bookstore that's facing hard times and really on the verge of closing because I was so sad to see, you know, there was a day when we'd go to these book conferences and, I mean, there'd be thousands of booksellers and you would, you know, sign books for them and I knew them. And, and over the years, just they started fading away in the stores and even stores and closed. So as, an, as a way to help that with this book release with Love Story, I have contests going that over the next few weeks, people who go into a bookstore, they just pick up a copy of Love Story and take a picture. It can be a selfie. It could be a fun picture with your friends. And then post it on social media with the hashtag love story book. And I am going to choose one person for an all expenses paid trip to come out and spend a day with me in Nashville. And, and in this way, just to get the foot traffic in through the you know, front doors of those yes. stores It's just me trying to do my part.
1: Oh, that is so fun. What a great idea. Well, I want to yeah, really encourage... Sure. L- I'm going to do it, too. That is really fun. There
2: you go. That would be so fun. Wouldn't it be fun? We can yes. hang out and have coffee and coffee <laughs>
1: <for each other. laughs> That would be really fun. I'm going to pray. That is not that a silly thing to pray? I'm going to pray God does that. He makes me the winner.
2: <laughs> well, you should. Well, <laughs> he said you take everything
1: to him. <laughs> thank you. Yes, exactly. So tell us a little bit about how your family... I mean, you really have an amazing family. And you have three adopted kids, which is... You know, I'm adopted, and so I love it when I hear adoption stories, and they're from Haiti.
2: Well, they are. It You know, it started in our our love story, which is what I'll be talking about when I go on tour this month through the month of June. I'll be in many cities, and I get to share stories that are funny and some that make us cry, and it's just a girls' night out, a fun time together. But I'll be talking about my love story, which begins with this man who— was trying to find a relationship with Jesus, not me. And he was reading his Bible, and I thought he was weird. Um, And it just took a little bit of time for me to realize that, wow, you know, a guy who loves God this much is going to love me better than anyone else ever could. And so we now are going on 29, almost 30 years married.
1: Wow. Um,
2: And we have six kids. So we had our first three biological kids, and then our youngest had a heart defect. And he he, um, made it evident, a doctor said, that any other kid that you have will have that defect and worse. So we thought, okay, well, we're done having biological children, but we still had room in our heart and in our home. And so a um, social worker actually led us to this Christian orphanage in Haiti, and we fell in love with these three little boys who were all friends at the orphanage, and we could separate them. So we doubled our family overnight, and we had a lot of humor and love to get through it initially, um, and you know now it's like I can't I can't remember a time when we weren't all together, but uh, it really it has been such a fun adventure.
1: That's amazing. I think it's very powerful how God puts families together, and we never we really understand how He puts people together, but He knows exactly when people are to be born, and who they are to yeah. be with.
2: It really is amazing. And when you know, as I was signing the contract with Roma Downey and. 20, you know, 22 books about the Baxter family. I thought, you know, someone might look at this contract and see all these dates and all these books, like two-plus-a-year books, and they might think, wow, you never knew your family. Like, you must have been a workaholic. <laughs> and God was so great. If I look back on those years, some of the most beautiful years of my life raising this family, because now our youngest is 19, and, uh, you know, four of the boys are at Liberty University, so we're empty nesters, really. Wow. But I look back, and I don't even remember writing books. So there was so much about the love in our own family that made its way into the books. And I was able to just write them very quickly because they were on my heart that deeply. And really, it was it was about the family. In fact, Tyler, our oldest son, one time said to me, Mom, when I'm older, I think I'm going to make movies and write songs. But, you know, I think I'm going to write books in my spare time like you do.
1: Oh, that's amazing. Isn't that amazing how my God does that? compliment. See, you yeah. know, I'm always telling my clients that... You know, when you're doing what God has called you to to do, it is a light burden. You know, he says my burden is light, my yoke is easy. I always know mm. when I'm going outside of God's will because all of a sudden everything gets really heavy. You know, I've been, a th- mm. I've been a therapist for 27 years and it's like breathing. You know, it doesn't mean it isn't a weight that I feel it, but it, absolutely, it's, you know, and so it's the same for you with books. It's like breathing, you know, it fit right into your life and it was a burden you could carry and it didn't. Burden others. It didn't steal from other people. Ah. That's such a gift.
2: That's so true.
1: It's amazing how God, you know, when we're and, and we have to be willing to do what he's called us to do because I wasn't really ever, I never thought I would be a therapist. It's a strange story how I got there. And, and I would have never found it, but God made sure that he got me into that space. And so, you know, you accept the calling that God had on your life and he was, gives you so much grace to do it. And so it, it's also uh-huh. life-giving to me. My work is life-giving to me. So it's it's a double. It's, you know. So, yeah, so. you
2: and you're absolutely right. And my dad used to say that, you know. He'd say, "Karen, you know, you're you're such a beautiful writer and one day everyone is going to know your work you just do that like breathing." Yeah. So, you know, I, I really resonate with that.
1: That's it's it's fascinating how that works. So this, so this story right now we're we have oh my goodness. My producer is telling me we only have 2 minutes. So I'm going to ask you one question, and then I want you to just kind of give us some parting words. So, do you have a new book that's on your heart already? I do. Okay. It'll be coming
2: out in the fall. I've actually written it, and it's called In This Moment. Um, so we'll have to talk again about that. I, that would be great.
1: That we will have. Okay. Then we'll get you on the show for an entire hour, and then we'll get to actually spend some real time. That so, would be wonderful. So why, not, why don't you, you tell? To want
2: to find out? Go ahead. Go ahead. No go. As I said, if they want to find out more about the book, um, they can certainly go to karenkingsbury.com, and that's K-I-N-G-S-B-U-R-Y dot com, and uh, they can find out where to order it, which is just everywhere the books are sold. Um, But also find out more about our family and about, you know, why the Baxter's a special group of people, even though they are fiction.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So tell us again about the contest, what we're supposed to write when we take the picture.
2: Okay, great. Yeah. So, you know, go to a bookstore. It can be any bookstore, even, you know, even Target or Walmart, they're carrying it. And we want them to keep carrying books too. But, um, because it's, you know, you have to go in person, you pick it up, you hold that book, and you take a picture. Make it fun, you know, bring a group of people and then post it on either Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook with the hashtag LoveStoryBook. And I am going to choose one person for, uh, you know, it'll be a trip for two, all expenses paid to come and spend a day with me in Nashville.
1: I love it. Well, thank you, Karen, so much for taking some time and telling us about your story. We really appreciate having you on the air. And have a blessed, awesome. have a blessed day. So thank you for joining us today. If you want to listen to the show this first half hour, make sure you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Join me in the next half of the hour when we talk more in depth about families. Make sure you can listen to all the shows on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. And it's so exciting that we had Karen Kingsbury, uh, international bestseller. She has her new book out called Love Story, which is going to be a movie with Roman Downey and Mark Burnett uh, through MGM Studios. So if you didn't get to hear that last half hour or the first half hour of the show, make sure you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. We always have the most current shows on the website. You can also find them on iCloud, Stitcher, and uh, ITunes, SoundCloud, I'm sorry, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. So make sure that you are able to listen to that first half of the show because she has this wonderful contest that she's promoting. Whereas you take a picture of yourself holding her book at a bookstore. It has to be at a bookstore because she loves bookstores and is promoting bookstores. And then what you simply do is take a picture of it and hashtag it as Love Story Book. And she is picking one person to fly out to Nashville to spend a day with her, all expenses paid. So that would be so exciting, and I am going to do that. I'm going to put myself in that contest. So we're going to do this next half hour all about families in honor of her book because her books are all about families. They are very inspirational, motivational, and very, very authentic. So they're not sugar-coated, which means that we can all relate to our stories and how God is writing our story and actually making our story right. So I want to talk to you about Today, this is very, some of this is is kind of heavy. And what this is, is this is the top 10 parenting concerns right now that we have in America. Bullying and internet safety, childhood obesity, drug abuse, smoking, child abuse and neglect, alcohol abuse, stress, not enough opportunity for physical activity, and the top 10 worry for children today that we have for kids today is stress. This ranks as one of the top 10 child health problems. And this is entirely preventable. And so what this has to do with is how we as parents handle stress. How do we handle stress? Because we're role modeling for them how to handle stress. Are we able to manage our life? Are we able to prioritize our life? Are we able to live within some boundaries and have good margin. If you remember last week, we talked about Sabbath, and, and we talked all about burnout, and we have a lot of parents that are burning out. trying to be perfect parents, trying to do amazing careers, trying to look perfect, have the best house, best cars, kids at the best schools. I mean, my goodness, our striving. and our performance-oriented behavior is kind of topping the chart, and what that does. It causes us to be the number one country for the highest rate of obesity, drug abuse, and stress-related disorders. And so this is really important that we recognize God has not designed us to live this way. And so we have kids, kiddos, that are stressing out at the age of eight. And so what we really want to, and this this is not me beating up you parents, really I'm not. I understand parent myself, And so I really know what it means when we're trying to really help our kids and help our kids be all that they could be. Now for myself, I did not have little kids that I parented. And so this is a really big thing when we have zero to 12 kids and then the 12 to 21 year old kids that we want to really be helping them with stress and how we manage stress. And that this is not about performing to get self-worth and value. This is about enjoying our life as best as we can, being realistic about our life, understanding capacity, so that we're not doing all kinds of mood-altering drugs or different kinds of compulsive behaviors to manage the stress, anxiety, and the internal and psychic pain that we may have from living a life beyond what we are designed to live. So this issue of stress, I want to really encourage you to research it yourself. I've done some shows on stress, and I'm going to be doing one in the future. But the issue of stress is imperative. If we find that this is what they're telling us, the top ranked problem for children is the, the issue of stress. And so What we want to think about is lifestyle, teaching our children healthy lifestyles, teaching our children how to be realistic, teaching our children that some things we do just good enough. We pick what's going to be our A-plus work. We pick what's going to be our B work. We pick what's going to be our C work. And so that does not mean that we are teaching children that they can be lackadaisical or that they can be flippant, that they can be irresponsible. It means that we have limited capacity. And we need to learn to use our energy well. We need to learn to know when to walk away from something. We need to know when maybe this idea is not going to work. And we need to recognize what's the most important thing. What's going to get me to the life that God has created and called me to have? So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment. As we talk about 15 secrets of happy families, make sure you visit the website at cynthiahyatt.com and all of the social media that we have to offer you. Just look up the name Cynthia Hyatt, and there it is. I hear the in my well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia, and thank you for joining me here in this last segment. So if you're just tuning in, You can always find the show in its entirety on my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and that is spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. You can also find me on social media if you just put my name in your browser. It'll all come up and very easy to find. So we're talking about families and the issue of families, And and I want to tell you that one of the main things I do with any of my patients and their families is talk about the need for a family identity. Children all the way to the age of 23 need to identify with something. And so all of us as adults identify with things. But what we really want to do is instead of having our children identify with all kinds of external things, which is the latest music uh, star, the latest um, rock, you know actor or actress or a game or a club or whatever, whatever it may be, A team, what we want to do is make sure that they are identifying first with their family, that they get their identity from their family. When they get good identity from their family, they're going to be able to withstand what the world brings to them, how assaultive the world is against their worth and their value. It helps them to not get into that performance-oriented behavior. It helps them to understand that regardless of their performance, they are valued, and they are loved. And, and what family identity does is gives a template for, for children, for adolescents, to maneuver through the world. It helps them to go out into the world and realize, oh, in my case, my last name is Hyatt. That's not what the Hyatts do. What the Hyatts do is this. And it gives them a road mark, gives them, gives them a map. So what happens is as you are in your daily life with your children, you will say things when it comes to behaviors. Let's say a child is, uh, a teenager comes home and, and they've been drinking. You say, you know what? That's not what we do. That's not what our family does. That's not what the Smiths do. That's not what the Jones do. That's not what the Bakers do. This is what we do. And we do that, and then you give them some ideas about why that's a value to your family. And in a non-judgmental way, in a non-assuming way, like how could you not know this, right? What we're doing is we're saying, here's why we made this choice. Here's why this is a value to our family. Here's why we do this. And then we talk about the issue of rules and structure. And one of the things I'm constantly reiterating to clients is that God does not make rules to steal from us. God does not make rules to take away fun to take away freedom. God gives us rules for safety. Every rule that God has established throughout his creation and in the Bible is for our safety only. It is not to judge us with. It's not to beat us up with. It's not to control us with. It's for our safety. It's similar to driving. Thank goodness the majority of drivers all follow the rules. I was driving on the freeway yesterday, six-lane highway people are going at a high rate of speed. Some are driving 80 miles an hour. No accidents. Very rarely are there accidents. That's why accidents many times are newsworthy, is that the amount of cars that are driving on the road every day, we very rarely have an accident. And so when you think about this, it's because people are following the rules. Not because they're being stolen from, or being oppressed, or condemned, or judged, or controlled. It's because if I follow the rules, and the driver next to me follows the rules, we'll get to our destination safely, securely. And so when you think about talking to your children about rules, I want you to give them that different concept, that we don't make rules just arbitrarily or to control you. We make rules to make our families safe. The same way when I talk to couples and families, about relationship rules. And, and if you look on the, the, um, any of the podcasts, you'll find that show on relationship rules that I work with premarital counseling and I talk about what are the rules of your relationship. And so some of the rules may be we don't use bad language toward each other or on each other. We don't call each other names. We don't lie to one another. We're polite to one another. All these rules make the relationship safe for vulnerability, for authenticity. Make the relationship safe for mistake-making as people are learning and growing. So I want you to really consider what is our family identity? What do we want to be known as in our community? So whatever your last name is, Smith, Jones, Baker, Martinez, whatever that may be, What does that family stand for? What are we known for? Are we known for being out of control? Are we known for being judgmental? Are we known for being conceited? Are we known for being kind? Are we known for being polite? Are we known for having integrity? Being ethical people? Being loving people? Accommodating people? This is what I want you to be thinking about. What does our family stand for? So now, now let's, let's take a little bit of time and look at what are secrets to happy families. And so this is, this is really helpful. I, I really liked this article that I found. And this was done by uh, a woman by Denise Mann. And this is part of WebMD. And I'm not always a fan of WebMD. But when it comes to general information, they're pretty good. And so one of the things when we look at what are happy families what we get are families that eat together. I can't tell you how powerful this is, to eat together. This is, this is the hallmark of, of what Jesus did with so many people. It bonds people together. It causes them to look at each other. It causes them to experience one another. It causes bonding and attachment because food is nourishing and food is a t- intended to nourish us, and to give us energy. And when we do it together, we get collective energy. And so eating together is an essential part of identity making because it's the times that we talk about what we've done and who we are. It's the times that we maybe have some corrective experiences. It's when we build each other up as well. It's when we get to share victories, when we get to share defeats. And so playing together. This is one of the most powerful things you can do as a family. I know growing up in my family, certainly we weren't a perfect family, but my parents did a lot of really good things. And one of the things that was the most fun in our family is we played games. And we still play games. My husband and I go over to my mother's house and we play all kinds of games. If my nieces and nephews come into town, if we have other friends that come over. And it's one of the most encouraging things to do because it encourages interaction Versus just everybody sitting and watching a movie together. Playing games also teaches sportsmanship. It's character development. It helps people learn to do stress tolerance. It helps people to learn how to lose and how to be a gracious winner. It helps people to take risks in a healthy environment that they take out into the world and are able to integrate into their life. And so families also put family before friends. And I'm not saying some un, uh, unrealistic or unhealthy loyalty. There are many things we are not to be loyal to. And, and unfortunately, in some families, we have, we have people we may not be loyal to. But that has to be because of a, a long-term experience. That's not just a one-time event. And that's usually made, those decisions are made as adults. And so we want to make our family a priority. That tells the world where my priorities lie, if I say to my friends, wow, I, I, I really want to go out with you, but my family has a family night that we're doing. We already planned something. What that does is that says to your friends, it's, or if you're adults, it says to your co-workers, says to your adult friends, says to your community, these people are important to me. When I make those people important to me, I got to tell you how much that strengthens identity how much that helps value and worth, which then helps me withstand the world and make better decisions even if they're unpopular decisions. I have the strength to say no. And so we always want want to make sure that we are building and honoring rituals. Rituals are imperative for knitting families together, for strengthening families, and that strengthens our entire community And then the greater community at large. It strengthens when we do family rituals. It means that we are doing something together that honors an experience, honors an event, honors a family member, honors many, many things that help to thread through our life and strengthen family bonds. When we have strong families, we have strong communities, which What that does is it increases the entire community to a higher level of functioning. And so this uh, Barbara Feese, she is um, a Ph.D. and she's a professor. She's chair of psychology at Syracuse University. And she really says happy families have meaningful rituals and are not stressed out by them. They can be unique to your own family. Something like as simple as going to bagels on Saturday morning. It can be playing games on Saturday night or Sunday afternoon. It can be going to church together and going to lunch afterwards. Whatever it may be, it can be a simple ritual. It can be how you do holidays, how you do birthdays. What's the ritual? Everybody gets a certain gift on their birthday. Everybody gets a family gift on their birthday. Maybe everybody gets a joke gift from everybody on your birthday. Whatever that ritual is, it strengthens the family and it strengthens identity and value. Big one here, big one here is keeping your voices down. And I'm not saying laughing loud, these kinds of things, and having a lot of exuberance. That's positive energy. I'm talking about yelling, screaming, throwing things. The stress and the cortisol level increases in our bodies. We really don't want this in children. And so we want to be really careful that we role model for them that adults have self-control because what that does is encourages young people who really struggle with self-control to make that a goal and a value that they want to be someone that in stress is the one that's in control of themselves not the one that's like going off that everybody goes oh my gosh there they go again they're going off and everybody has to deal with the stress of a toddler in a teenage and a teenager in an adult body I know you've all experienced toddlers and teenagers in adult bodies, and it is very overwhelming. Another family secret, don't work too much. And, and I know that we all have big responsibilities. But this is one of the things I talked about in, two weeks ago in the show on burnout and what that does to us. And as families, we want to encourage sibling, uh, sibling harmony. We want to encourage the bond between our children. And we do that by the bond we have with our spouse. The greatest way to increase your children's self-worth and self-esteem and those feelings of security is you and your spouse. The more you like your spouse, the more they feel good about themselves, the more secure they feel. The studies are are, are numerous about how powerful it is when it comes to kids' uh, self-esteem and security when you are focusing on your spouse. Every time they see you loving each other, they feel good. They feel stronger. They feel more hopeful for their life. It's much more effective than spending all your time with your children and doing your relationship in a one down. If you do your spouse relationship well, your children will have much better uh, worth and value and self-esteem. Last one, let's talk about having private jokes and how fun that is. And that always increases identity, especially, you, you know, when you see couples that have private jokes. And you think, wow, they have a really cool world between them and how powerful that is. So I hope this has been helpful for you. I want you to really think about this, this idea, of family. Make sure also that we pick up Karen Kingsbury's book and that you go to a bookstore and you take a picture into a hashtag love story book. And that you have a great week. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me next week. Make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Let me know what topics you would like. And if you need a keynote speaker, you can certainly contact me through the website. God bless you and have a great week.
0: We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you.